Welcome to the Evolving Complexity Series, Technology Modernization, sponsored by GuideHouse. Here's today's moderator, Tom Temin. Welcome and thanks for joining us. My guests today are Arajit Roy and Brian Reynolds. They are both partners at GuideHouse, and it's good to have you both with us today. Our topic is technology modernization, and that is a big topic across the federal government, across the commercial community that feeds the federal government. There's technology modernization funds specifically appropriated by Congress, and the general sense that people need to somehow move past even what they put in during the E-era, early electronic commerce, electronic government era, to where we stand now and what is state-of-the-art. So let's begin with maybe defining the term what is technology modernization once you've gotten rid of your COBOL mainframes? Well, Tom, you're right. It's a broad topic, and it really um, focuses on the refactoring or replacement of legacy systems and technologies that are depreciated, replacing them with new technology stacks that better serve the customer and the agency's mission. Yeah, and I think the extension of it is ultimately to provide better value for our clients' investments. In today's world, uh, agencies are involved in a lot of manual processes, paperwork, which kind of adds to inherent inefficiencies in the process. And the ultimate goal of technology modernization is to help alleviate some of the concerns and shortfalls that lead from manual processes. Right, so there's really two sides to it. In one way, you have depreciated equipment and networks and maybe older protocols, so you have to replace that anyway. But when you mention refactoring, that means you want to preserve some of the business logic that you had, even though you want it in a modern platform. But what Arajit's added, I think, is that you may want to add functions, and there's digital functionality that wasn't available even for, so if you're refactoring would be the beginning of it, but you need to add in some ways. Fair yeah. to say? Yeah, it's not just about you know imp- introducing technically feasible solutions or just automating processes. It's it's really about providing an ex, you know experience excellence. So understanding the customer's needs, understanding unmet needs, challenges, um, figuring out where we have resiliency, for example, challenges with the existing system, and making those changes and those improvements necessary to not just replace what's there today, but to improve what's there today. Yeah, and security and the business climate, those have all changed also, and so that's another mitigating factor in favor of adding functionality and changing functionality. Absolutely. I mean, while doing this is a journey from our perspective, technology modernization, where our clients and the industries today, we see it as a maturity in terms of capabilities and functions that can be provided through this this mega trend uh, that our clients can leverage ultimately without compromising on cybersecurity, on data, uh, on assets like um, futuristic AI generative technologies. Okay, and we'll get to that one uh, mm-hmm. later in the interview, but what I wanted to ask you about now is, I mean, in looking across your client base, you deal with companies, they come to you, what are their pain points, what are the challenges, what's difficult about this that you encounter that they're coming to you for help with? Well, I think the challenges really come, come from the multidisciplinary you know, focus that's required to deliver systems today. You know, we, we certainly have had a, you know, a, an agile mov- movement here, and I think it's widely adopted now. But along with that has come a lot of capabilities and a lot of complexity. Um, you know, and, and along with those complexities comes challenges with workforce readiness. Um, it comes, you know, we, we end up in a place where to deliver effectively solutions, we not 
not only need to understand how to do software development, but how to do infrastructure development, how to automate the provisioning of infrastructure, how to build resilient solutions that have DR postures, you know, disaster recovery postures that are that are better than or necessary for today's mission. So it, there's a lot of challenges here, um, and those challenges come along with the trends, right? So there's trends we see around low code, um, certainly around cloud, um, but with those trends, there's the the complication of delivery. Arashid? Right, and then just to say, if what we see today in the marketplace is a lot of effort goes into keeping the lights on. Existing older systems for our client base, they, they immense amount of money uh, and efforts go into just making sure that things run uh, and do not break. And in terms of the effort equation, I think the value is tilted. It, the value, a lot of effort and value goes into existing systems, existing mm -hmm. processes, and hence our client base are not able to move value for value, dollar for dollar, dollar they don't get the value uh, to invest in technology modernization. And the aim would be kind of shift that paradigm to focus more towards technology modernization and move away from running the railroad into more uh, futuristic projects that can help them realize the value of their investment. Yeah, so keeping the lights on kind of relates to the DR disaster recovery. Mm -hmm. A lot of points in here. Let's go through them a little bit. Let's start with cloud. I mean, cloud in the federal sector was a little bit behind cloud adoption in mm -hmm. the private sector, but now pretty much everybody's cloud. And the evidence of that is, look how many vendors are chasing after cloud business. You know, almost anyone that ever built a computer is now in the cloud business. And cloud is a alternate hosting mechanism, but how is it also a modernization effort? Well, I mean, I, for, from my perspective, cloud is the biggest, single biggest enabler of what we're seeing today with technology modernization or the, or the promise of technology modernization. It's, it's providing the sort of elastic services, the scalability, the resiliency we need. You know, beyond the services and the, you know, the, the hyper providers are providing here, you know, what they're also delivering, I think, for the first time we're seeing in our industries is they're, they're delivering best practice. They're delivering lessons learned. They're delivering patterns. And so we have now uh, at our you know, disposal the engineering excellence of some of the best minds, um, and they, not just their services, but how, do we should, how best to assemble those services. So I, I really do think for the first time through cloud, we're seeing you know, excellence in infrastructure and in application development patterns, um, and not just products, not just services to be bought, but real discipline, real patterns, and um, real intellect being brought to bear and shared with, with entire industries and with the government. Yeah, the question is, are they actually sharing it? Because sometimes they, they are fiercely competitive with one another. I think so. Yeah, I mean, my experience with the hyper providers is very balanced, and I think they, across the board, are committed to excellence and continuous improvement and really have bought into some of those, those best management ideas. So it's not just about providing technology. It's really about providing, you know, a better customer experience and, and you know, and a better cost uh, point for those services. Yeah, so Arjit, that would seem to say then that uh, the idea of modernizing your data center as some kind of a separate activity really needs to morph into making it emulate the cloud in all of those architectures yeah. and practices. Absolutely, I think at some level it may be thought that cloud is just moving the data center from one place to another place. However, what to Brian's point, what is important is all the other services uh, the best practices, as well as what is important is a lot of stuff in IT across the uh, IT value chain can be very similar activities. 
And what the cloud has enabled is help businesses focus on the functionality that they want and making some of the other activities in IT more, um, I would say, um, easy to achieve. Uh, and and fo the focus has shifted more from, you know, just making sure that I spin up a server or I think of a system to more around somebody is there to take care of all those rudimentary stuff so that I can focus on building the applications, building the solutions that I need for my business. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think cloud, you know, to, to bring in an economic term, you know, sort of predictive productivity frontier, you know, the idea of what's the most value I can deliver with the resources that an organization mm -hmm. has Cloud, I think, really is is a, an amplifier, an accelerator of that. I think we're able to, our organizations are able to, through cloud, do so much more with the resources they have um, and to maintain those resources, to refresh and regenerate those resources and not be left with you know, depreciated tech um, after just a couple of years. So, you know, they're shifting the focus from, you know, infrastructure management to experience, the mm -hmm. experience of the user. And, it's, and I think that's really important. Sure, and that I think relates to the workforce issue that you mentioned a moment ago. At one time, you know, your IT people, there's a time when they needed to know how to design systems that could swap blocks of code in and out of memory for virtual machines because mainframe capacity was limited. Mm -hmm. The skills needed today, especially to use all of this cloud stuff, seem so remote from that. So maybe discuss the workforce issues as part of modernization. Well, I mean, I think the CloudSpark strategy, you know, several years ago pointed out really three, you know, um, prohibitors for cloud adoption. You know, workforce is the first. Um, you know, trusted internet connections was the, the, the third or second, and then, and then security postures of organizations was the third. So, you know, I, I do think the multidisciplinary nature of modern software development and cloud competencies is, is an a absolute factor in how productive organizations both client and service providers, you know, are or can be. It's it is the limiter, I think, right now. And um, you know, I think it will be for some period of time. That's why you see those sorts of resources in in such high demand. Yeah, multidisciplinary means it's 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 you almost need to have a philosophic or or uh, overarching approach, and not so much a technical approach purely. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, and the composition of teams has changed drastically, right? I mean, it's. It's not just having folks who understand patterns for software development, but understanding the, the environments they're deploying on, um, how to take advantage of elastic resources, how to auto-scale, how to make sure that the solution is resilient and take advantage of those services that make it resilient. So it's, you know, it's a, you know, there's a level of smartness required to effectively deliver technology modernization that I, that I think is um, unprecedented honestly and and it's and I think multidisciplinary in, in a lot of ways not just in technology I mean the way we approach software development now with CICD um, you know continuous integration continuous delivery I mean mm -hmm. this is borrowing on the best practices of supply chain or of you know factory concepts so you know you're seeing um, you know throughput accounting which we use in a, in in agile to make sure that we're delivering the best value with the least investment and with the least operating expense these concepts financial concepts, but now your engineers are cognizant of these things. They're aware of them. They're not just working on and focusing on being technology engineers, but they're focusing on being, you know, purveyors of a new experience, a better experience, and a more cost-effective solution or experience. You know? Yeah, it's almost like switching musical instruments. You need to know what the capabilities and strategies and techniques of that new one are, mm -hmm. and you can't bring what you had before to it, really, to be effective. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the workforce question is one of the biggest <clears throat> questions that we have to think about when it comes to uh, taking advantage of uh, some of these modern technologies like cloud. And from our perspective, I think it, sh it has to be two ways. One is internal focused where our agencies, teams have to upskill themselves to come abreast with some of these latest technologies. And second is to create you know, the, the ecosystem of training and vendors <clears throat> and participants who bring a best athlete strategy to people who can really actually deliver the work and the paradigm of continuously learning and keeping ourselves abreast with some of these latest technologies because those are moving faster than anything that any of us could learn. All right, we've got some more to cover, but first we're going to take a short break. My guests today are Arajit Roy and Brian Reynolds. They are both partners at GuideHouse. I'm Tom Temin on the Evolving Complexity Series, Technology Modernization, sponsored by GuideHouse, here on Federal News Network. In an ever-changing world with newly emerging complexities, it will take the coordinated power of government and business working together. At GuideHouse, we help clients master their complexities and seize new opportunity. As a leading global provider of consulting services to the public sector and commercial markets, clients navigate forward with trusted outcomes that are resilient, scalable, and distinct. Let's guide this moment together. GuideHouse. Outwit complexity. For more information, visit GuideHouse.com. That's GuideHouse.com. Welcome back to the Evolving Complexity Series, Technology Modernization, sponsored by GuideHouse here on Federal News Network. My guests today are Arajit Roy and Brian Reynolds, both partners at GuideHouse, and I'm Tom Temin. And I want to ask you about artificial intelligence, because we've talked about so many of the big trends coming into IT development and modernization, but... The emergence of AI has really caught everybody, I think, by surprise with how fast it's come mm. on. And that was accelerated by not just the AI emergence, but the generative AI emergence. Mm. And, and it's not obvious how that can help in technology modernization, but it's starting to come into focus. So maybe discuss that whole trend. Sure. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll take a start here. I mean, I think certainly there's ample material evidence that shows... Generative AI is accretive to the software development process. So, you know, developer productivity is um, or can be absolutely improved by the through the use of generative AI. And you know that that is um, especially the case when we're talking about jumpstarting or the draft writing of code or the refactoring of code. Um, but there's but there's lots of uses for AI and lots of potential here for you, AI. Um, I would suggest a pedestrian use of it is just a generation of documentation around the code, inspecting a code base and being able to productively generate um, code to help make that code more maintainable. Certainly the examination of customer sentiment data, for example, and the identification of necessary features or operational changes is a, is a perfect application of, for, for AI. Um, you know, I think it's commonplace today for us to use AI to examine um, observability, infrastructure observability, and application telemetry data. Mm -hmm. Make sure that we, um, so that we can use the AI to um, recommend improvements to our resource configurations or our service deployments. So these are these are three three examples. Uh, a couple of others would be, you know, migration to the cloud, as we've talked about, is is a very important um, part of many organizations' um, efforts to remove technical debt and to modernize their estates, their IT estates. And so using AI to um, assess the code bases of the legacy systems, assess their complexity, understand dependencies, and plan migrations is a good use. And of course, you know, the ability to regenerate code 
um, a code base within a modern technology stack. You know, equivalent code in a modern technology stack is is um, is a is a practical use of AI. I would say at GuideHouse we we're looking past that. I mean, those are mechanical, I think, in some to some degree, and we really are looking at how do we responsibly apply AI to change the agile process. You know, if if I think I'm like many agile practitioners, and what we find is you know, why, while Agile is absolutely practical and a useful way of approaching technology modernization, it's also quite laborious and demanding of some roles. For example, product owners. My experience is product owners often have another job, ancillary responsibilities. And so, mm-hmm. you know, to the mm-hmm. degree that we can alleviate the demands on a product owner by interrogating or inspecting a code base or existing documentation and generating the beginnings of our of our backlog, uh, or to assess whether or not when we point stories and estimate how much work is involved, whether that jives with sort of our historical experience delivering similar sorts of um, similar sorts of um, user stories is is another use. So um, I think there's you know there's absolutely mechanical uses, but there are some process and cultural um, improvements we can make in the agile process that come with come with AI. Yeah, that's really a great yeah. list, and but there's a distinction I noticed in them, and this is my question, uh, when you talk about documentation, for example, or, or documenting old code, which was my next question, mm-hmm. you answered it already, can this be applied retroactively to code that nobody understands anymore, mm-hmm. that has turned into spaghetti over the decades? <laughs> but that is generating language English. In the sense of, of generating new code, it's generating code. So does the term large language model, can the language be code as well as the English or whatever, you know, Chinese, whatever the language could be? Yeah, yeah, it actually can be. There are models today, there are tools today through AI which are generating code. I think it comes down to the quality of the code, like Brian's point, as we look across the IT value chain, there will be activities which are mechanical. And we think that the first users would be those low-hanging fruits when it comes to documentation or looking at a code base. The whole idea of generating code using code, uh, which is uh, AI, would be something that still needs a little bit of maturity. There are models out there that are generating good amount of code. It will come down to the complexity of the business processes, as well as to the points that we discussed in terms of the digital skills and the maturity of the organizations to use those uh, AI tools responsibly. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this just in the last year, we've seen all the hyper providers deliver, you know, code development and um, solutions based on generative AI that are that are quite effective. You know, quite effective. You know. Yeah. So they're using it in the generation of their own products, mm-hmm. in other words. And they're offering it to um, providers who who are looking to build solutions on top of their their services. Yeah, so this all points to this idea that you have postulated, and that is the industrializing of the technology production chain for modernization. Mm -hmm. Because modernization exists in time, and nobody has enough money or time, so the less time you get that you spend, the less money you expend, and the closer and quicker you get to the value that Arjit mentioned earlier on. So Mm -hmm. discuss that idea of industrializing modernization so that it's not so much of a craft process it's so demanding, as you said, on people's time, which nobody has enough of. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, I would say one of the things we, we do at GuideHouse is we really do look across industries. We do look at both the commercial and the government industries we serve. 
we take lessons learned from those experiences, and from that we are, you know, specifically aimed aiming at delivering standardized processes that are proven and that work. Right. So the best practices of commercial and government um, brought together in standardization. And by industrialization, we really are talking about a factory concept. You know, when when we go to a when we think about a factory, there are disciplines that have been long been in place. Six Sigma, for example, lean, that are aimed at reducing work in process, reducing inventory, improving throughput. This is always done by removing process variability. Right? So mm-hmm. we take the same concepts here. We, we are very um, dedicated to standardizing the way we go about technology modernization, removing the need for heroes on projects, um, improving the predictability of our delivery efforts, improving the reusability of the components that we, that we deliver. Automation, automating everything is sort of the focus uh, for us. I mean, that's, and you see that across industry with CICD, with infrastructure as code. You know, this is, um, this, you know, this is a concept that's, that's being widely adopted today. So really with, by industrialization or the factory concept, we really are talking about standardization, creating the opportunity for reuse, creating the opportunity for, um, for uh, automation, and importantly, measurement. So, you know, really measurement and knowing how well you're working, how productive you are, and making the necessary changes. Continuous improvement is a key part of that, the same way as, you know, a part of Six Sigma or Lean or any of those sort of concepts. I think beyond sort of technical, you know, how do we improve the supply chain of software and technology modernization, the, the shift in focus, you know, for our professionals is taking an economic view of what's built, making mm-hmm. sure that what we deliver has the biggest or best value. That means we look at business value, we look at the risk we can reduce, we look at the time criticality, we look at how much effort is required to deliver the solutions. We look at inspect and adapt metrics so that we understand how well does our agile process work? Do we have defects beyond what we expect? Are we predictable in what we plan and deliver? Are we productive? Do we have good velocity? These are, these are all concepts that are you know, about mm-hmm. managing with data and that's at the heart of uh, what we mean by um, you know, sort of the modernization factory. It's almost like software is the last domain not affected by the great Edward W. <laughs> Deming's teachings yes. is really what we're talking about here. Absolutely. I mean, I mean Agile is absolutely based on lean, right? The mm-hmm. whole idea of, of what we're trying to do with Agile is remove you know, the eight wastes of lean along the way. So it's, um, yeah, it's absolutely the uh, Deming's applica- application of Deming's concepts. Avrashit? Yeah, and I think I think the single biggest thing on uh, in the factory concept is the is the focus on quality. It is very difficult mm-hmm. to come kind of uh, the most difficult thing in software delivery is making sure that it is of the highest quality, and that is where you know the concept of uh, moving away from processes to products came into being, where the focus on software is to build a high quality product. The factory concept kind of kind of takes the quality concept into heart, and all the items that Brian measure, uh, mentioned. Kind of the ultimate focus is we want to focus on delivering, creating, building software that has the best quality in the market. That ultimately does not, uh, you know, the quality does not depreciate with time. That yeah, it's done correct, but then it's done correct every time. Every opportunity is done right, uh, the first time as well as all the other times that uh, that our clients use the software. And so the word is predictability, right? That's what we're trying to produce here. All right. A great note to end the discussion on. Thank you both very much. My guests today have been Arajit Roy and Brian Reynolds, both partners at Guidehouse. I'm Tom Temin. You're listening to Federal News Network. 
For more on this discussion, please visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search GuideHouse. Thank you for listening to the Evolving Complexity Series, Technology Modernization, sponsored by GuideHouse on Federal News Network. 